being able to kind of put everything that already exists like in a place where people can find it has been one thing that we really wanted to do. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Data Stories. My name is Enrico Bertini and I am a professor at NYU in New York City where I do research in data visualization. Yeah, and my name is Moritz Stefan and I'm an independent designer of data visualizations. And actually I work as a self-employed truth and beauty operator out of my office here in the countryside in the beautiful north of Germany. Yes. And on this podcast, we talk about data visualization, analysis, and generally the role data plays in our lives. And usually we do that with a guest we invite on the show. Yeah, but before we start, just a quick note, our podcast is listener-supported, there are no ads, uh, So, but that also means if you do enjoy the show, please consider supporting us. You can do that either with recurring payments on patreon.com slash datastories, or you can also send us a one-time donation or multiple-time donation on paypal.me slash datastories. <laughs> Yes, and thanks to everyone who's already already joined our Patreon or sent one-time donations. That's always, always uh, a joy to receive uh, uh, new notifications about people who sign up or help us out. So let's get started. The topic today is a really interesting one. I was really looking forward to, to this one. We are going to talk about a recent big thing in data visualization, the Data Visualization Society. And we have uh, the three funding members joining us today to talk about the Data Visualization Society. We have Amy Cecil. Hi, Amy. Hi. Molly Pettit. Hi, Molly. Hey there. And Elijah Meeks. Hey, Elijah. Hi, Amika. So, um, as usual, we ask our guests to introduce themselves. So, can you tell us a little bit about what is your background, the main interests, and then we can dive right in into the Data Visualization Society? Hi, I'm Amy Cecil. I'm a graphic designer specializing in data visualization. I have a master's degree in information visualization from MICA. I'm a two-time Information is Beautiful award winner. Um, I've worked for the federal government and for the nonprofit, the Sunlight Foundation, and built data visualization style guides for both of those organizations. Um, and I'm a founding member of the Data Visualization Society. I'm happy to be here. Great. Molly? Yeah, hi, I'm Molly. I am a data visualization designer and developer. I work as a freelancer. Um, some of my recent clients uh, were ACLU Illinois, New Yorker, Northwestern University, currently doing some work with G2 Crowd. And I founded and organized the local Chicago DataViz community meetup. And excited to be here. Great. Elijah. Yeah, so uh, I'm Elijah Meeks. I'm a senior data visualization engineer at Netflix. Before that, I worked in the digital humanities and did a bunch of large-scale sort of interactive scholarly works. I write a lot about data visualization. I talk a lot about data visualization, and um, I tweet frustrating comments at people about <laughs> data visualization. That's pretty much my modus operandi. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. So um, just in case any of our listeners doesn't know what the Data Visualization Society is yet, <laughs> which I doubt. Uh, can you briefly introduce the Data Visualization Society? What What is it exactly? 
Sure. So the Data Visualization Society is sort of a community to meaningly connect with other people in data viz. And it's a place to find data visualization resources, like a list of meetup groups all over the world, or a jobs board with data visualization posts. We wanted to create a place for someone who was earlier in their career to get started, understand what skills they need, where resources are, and find ways to grow and mentor and be mentored. We wanted other people's experiences getting into data visualization to be better than our own. Mm -hmm. And that's really the core, why we wanted to start this. Yeah, yeah. And it's been so interesting to see this thing happening and having having a big success. <laughs> so wh what was the, the main impetus behind it? How, how did you come up with this idea that we needed something like a data visualization society? <laughs> So I think there's been a lot of uh, conversation around um, types of convergence that are going on in data visualization for the last couple of years. You know, we had a conversation on data stories talking about how the experience of data visualization professionals was a bit different from, than the experience of freelancers and, and uh, journalists. And I think that the reason why we were having the conversation, why these conversations have been having, happening is because there's less and less distinction between the different fields, I would argue. There's less and less distinction between the different tools, and there's less and less distinction between the different audiences. And so, um, you know, that conversation ties into these conversations that have been ongoing about critical discourse and whether or not, you know, how to, how to give and take criticism properly, uh, accessibility and research and just general themes that are about sort of a broader holistic view of data visualization that's not focused on certain tool-defined communities or audience-defined communities. And so I sort of offered up in that third wave data visualization talk that I gave at Tapestry this idea that we needed to uh, formalize this and build up some kind of, of resources to support people who were in the field and especially people who were getting into the field. And then after that talk, I got uh, tracked down by Amy and Molly and we sort of started talking about this um, at the time there and it was you know one of these you know how these conversations are at a conference where you're like oh my god this is a great idea we should change the entire world um, except <laughs> what ended up happening later, who are you again? right right exactly no it's it's literally um, except what happened one week later was that like Amy and Molly are incredibly hardworking and I'm happy to come along for the ride. <laughs> and literally, we had this conversation in November, mm -hmm. and then in February, we launched it, and right. it was yeah. just incredible. And, it, and we expected, you know, 400, 500 people maybe <laughs> in the first, in the first yeah. month or two, and we've had 5,000 members sign up. And I know that a lot yes. of those members are signing up just because of, you know, the whole fear of missing out thing, and, but it just has been an incredible response, Yeah. Yeah, but still, yeah. I mean, just mobilizing 5,000 people who say, yeah, I'm interested in what's going on in the data visualization society, regardless how much they contribute or not. It's amazing. It's, uh, no, it's, it's bonkers. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember you were quite surprised yourself, I think, in the first few days, like, and just had trouble even like handling this flood of people. And we didn't even know what like, to do. Yeah, right? yeah. When it came to signing up for the Slack, <laughs> we were sitting here saying, well, we're going to have to only put, <laughs> 250 to 500 people per day because we can't sign up 2,500 people. You know, I think it was 2,500 people who signed up in the first two weeks and we yeah, can just drop yeah, them yeah, all in yeah, Slack yeah. at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have to confess that if you would have told me, oh, we have this 
great idea of creating a data visualization society. I would have totally killed your idea. Right? Said, Come on, guys. <laughs> Who needs that? Right? So it was. Luckily, yeah. he found us. He found Amy and Molly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. So, but that's, that's exactly the point maybe also. So I think it's clear you seem to have hit like some, something, you know, of interest. And, and what do you think? What's, what's the key thing that the society provides that maybe did not exist before? I mean, Elijah, you mentioned already a lot of the existing communities were tool centric. There was a very active D3 Slack. There were D3 meetups. There's a very active Tableau like community. Um, Molly, what do you think? What, what, what else contributes to, to, to the big success? Yeah, totally. Um, that is one of the things that we think uh, it adds that maybe wasn't around before. Tool agnostic data viz outlet that's mm. beyond Twitter, um, that's long term, that's more conversational, that's less hierarchical, uh, where people can easily connect with each other and share projects and resources, no matter how quote unquote, data viz famous they are. Um, you know, someone with 10 Twitter followers um, might get very little response if they posted a cool project they'd done on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But if you can post it in the share channel in data viz society, it'll get attention if it's awesome because it's awesome, not because you're well known or you have followers. Um, so that was one thing uh, that we think was a, a value add that people get a lot out of. Um And then another thing, which was kind of a simpler thing, was, yeah, there are already so many kind of resources out there. But when someone's first starting out, like when I first started out, I didn't know where to find this stuff. Mm. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what conferences there were. And or I didn't even know that there was a database jobs board till earlier this year. And that was thanks to Amy. I had no idea that existed. Mm. And so part of There's no central registry. You find flowing data at some point. You find the database board at some point, right? Sure. But there's no no central point where to start. That's a a good point, actually. Yeah, Yeah. it takes time. And like, Mm. I think I ended up just at some point as I got to know more data viz people, I would just ask them, I'd be like, okay, yeah. what are all the conferences? Like, uh, what are all the, the things the I should know about? Whisper networks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so being able to kind of put yeah. everything that already exists, like in a place where people can find it, um, has been one thing that we really wanted to do. Mm. And that seems like a simple task, but for someone new coming in is going to make a lot of difference. Yeah. Um, and that's my feeling too. Like I'm, I cannot follow everything on the Slack. It's, it's such a huge thing. It's like (laughs) thousands of messages, but my feeling was too, it's a lot of like newcomers or like serious newcomers, like who've been doing it for a year or two and whose names I never heard, but who do often amazing work. Right. And who are really often very like passionate about specific aspects of their visualization and, um, and I think that's, yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with the, um, yeah, just finally there's a central place for, for the people just getting started, but yeah, not being absolutely. totally fresh, but yeah. having some knowledge, but now wanna, wanting to do the next step, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to highlight something. We, we always talk about how um, positive and supportive and welcoming the data visualization community is. And, you know, Sometimes it doesn't feel that way because it seems like when you're on Twitter, Twitter promotes the voices of people who are extremely well established. Mm, yes. And what I, what we saw when we opened up the Slack was that somebody would ask a question and some guy named Alberto would answer. Some guy named <laughs> Moritz would answer. You know, Enrico, you were right in there with people 
I had felt the same thing that you did, Moritz. People who I hadn't heard of who were doing amazing work. And everybody was just right there. So I feel like um, to a certain degree, we were constrained by the by the methods that we had to communicate with each other because they they mm-hmm. had with them they sort of smuggled with them these these uh, bad qualities that the community actually didn't reflect and and at times I thought maybe it was the community I mean I've I've been you know critical of of the community from time to time and just seeing how people interacted on Slack and how egalitarian everybody in uh, interacted on Slack and just was amazing. And then there, there are a couple other things actually too that I think that Amy Elijah might want to talk about, about things that, uh, have, that Dataviz Society has provided. Um, like there's like Critique Channel, which is actually, it's really great. And the Medium post. Did you guys want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, maybe we can talk about uh, the, the Slack, which seems to be the main like place where everybody meets, right? And, and how you organized it, where, uh, you have lots of moderators as well, or facilitators, and maybe walk us a bit through like how <laughs> this jungle of information there. Sure. Um, so I think the most visible thing to a lot of people is the Slack because it is everyone together and there's a lot of chatter in there. But that's, you know, not the only thing that's there. We have a website that we're continuing to put information up. We have a Medium publication, which distills a lot of stuff from the Slack and also other voices we have an email newsletter, which is coming out more regularly, so people can get information pushed to them that way. It's not just this conversational slack, although that's a big part of it. So it's organized. The three of us are sort of the core heart drive behind this thing right now. Um, but there, we also have a large group of volunteers who we call facilitators that are helping us push this thing forward and make decisions. Um for Slack, there's two moderators for every channel. They help keep an eye on things, and that has been huge. It's another set of eyes, more enthusiasm to keep discussions going. So people in the community stepping up, taking a more active role to help build the community has been great. Um, and we're slowly adding more structure. So, and you also have, I really like this activity where you try to summarize some of the things happening there in in a set of medium posts, right? So how, how does this work? How do you decide when something is worth moving to a medium post? So one of the things that goes on, uh, one of the fears I think that folks had when they first started out was they saw this Slack and they saw the enormous number of people there and just how fast it yeah. was moving. And we all yeah. heard the same thing from the beginning. Everybody noticed it because Slack puts it in front of your face as soon as it happens. Once you get over 10,000 messages, mm-hmm. then you have to pay some absurd licensing fee to Slack to get access to older messages. Yeah. So early yeah. on, we, you know, anybody who's had experience with Slack, like I have with a large um, Slack community like the D3.js Slack, uh, knew that that was coming. And so what we wanted to do was for two reasons. One, to to sort of keep a memory of conversations. We wanted to make sure to prompt folks to try to write things and distill the thoughts that were going on. But also, you know, the conversations are great, and a lot of material shows up in them that are great. But I'm still a firm believer that in that process of writing and distilling, then you actually identify uh, value in those conversations and insights that are going to be useful for the for for the whole community. So we never wanted this to be sort of an enclosed space that only a person who signed up could take 
pardon. We wanted to have something that allowed us to um, express whatever learnings were discovered there, but also to elevate voices of these early career professionals to allow them the chance to write about these things and and somehow draw a through line um, between the points that folks were making. And I think that that's been working out amazingly well. I'm kind of shocked at, at just how uh, many medium pub, uh, uh, pieces, how many essays we've managed to put together. In And it's only been two months. That's the other thing that kind of strikes me. I feel like it's been a long time. Sometimes it feels like it's been too long that Data Visualization Society has been around. And it's literally only been two months. But we've got, you know, a couple of dozen original essays on data visualization now. And so the way that that works is that we 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 try to get folks, writers, to do one of two things, either to basically transcribe conversations and attribute and and sort of trim and edit them, and the other is to take, and what I prefer is to try to distill out of them rather than just sort of reporting on the conversations, trying themselves to add a layer of meaning on top of that. And that's starting to work out more and more. And it depends on sort of the subject area. It's probably the most vibrant channel we have as far as the medium publication goes is that historical data visualization channel where we just have a lot of motivated and experienced writers who are super interested in, you know, the wealth of historical data visualization. And they've been putting out just a lot of amazing work. Yeah. Yeah. You've been rearranging the the Slack channels quite a bit, trying to kind of like, that's something I really like. You've, you try to evolve it over time as you learn more about what works, what doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like I like this kind of very flexible, a lot of gardening involved, very flexible there, right? structure, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know how you do it, yeah. right? I mean, you still you still have regular jobs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for now yeah. we do. We'll, we'll see how long. For now, yeah. <laughs> when they realize how long you spend on the uh, on the Slack, <laughs> the slides soon be over. I definitely got into Slack and did some serious gardening the other day and came up with a easier to follow structure. And so I think it's more, it's very helpful for people who are just jumping into it so that there's different channels for different topics like accessibility, data art, historical viz, text analysis, even teaching data viz. Yeah. 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 And then there's channels to connect different groups of people. So people who work in government or freelancers and people in different locations like Africa or Europe or DC and even specific language speaking channels like Spanish speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I have to resist the temptation of spending two or three (laughs) hours just going through everything. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think for the first few weeks I had it on my regular Slack that I have on the desktop, and then I had to, to, to delete it and just access from the webs. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I would just check every hour or so. <laughs> but it, it's it's great, and I've seen a lot of different things happening, and probably many I, I've just um, missed them. But I'm pretty sure there are a few ones. I'm, I'm, I was curious to hear from you. What are the main highlights so far, right? I, I have seen myself a lot of really interesting things happening. Um, are there any special, I don't know, anecdotes or things that you're particularly um, proud of? I don't know. Well, I think that uh, for me, you know, it goes back to what Moritz was saying a while back, which is that I think what's most exciting is that you see a lot of names that you have never, that I, for one, have never seen before. And you see them showing off their work and it's just amazing work and then interacting with other folks and pointing them to resources and using tools you've never heard of to make data visualization that oftentimes looks the same as the stuff that you've been making with some other completely different set of tools. And so that's super exciting. And then 
more specifically, you know, early on, we, we knew that one of the things we wanted to push was for better structured critique. And so we had a critique channel. And almost immediately, Amy had this great idea to say, well, it's structured critique. So here, I'm going to give you a list of what you're supposed to ask oh, for when you're yeah. asking for feedback. I love that. Yeah. And, it's a template, and we just, right? kind of thing. Yeah. And we just did it. And we didn't know whether or not anybody would even post in that channel. And, you know, as people would post, and sometimes they wouldn't post with those, with those <laughs> questions answered. And we'd say very gently, hey, make sure that you fill out this little form. <laughs> And people yeah. do, and the feedback they gave has been amazing, and they've helped people just get better at their work. And I think that um, just environmentally, it's been so positive all over the place that what it's done is it started to foster these questions of how can we be even more actively engaged with helping people to get better at their practice. So one of yeah. the things that we've been talking about almost since the beginning, because it came up early and it's come up often, is trying to arrange mentorship programs and trying to arrange ways to sort of uh, evaluate uh, teaching programs and educational resources and things like that. Because people have asked for that and people have helped with that. And it's just such a, like, it, an incredibly um, supportive environment that uh, that I'm just shocked. I mean, it's 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 amazing just how self organized and supportive it has been. Some other things that I found really exciting too is that almost immediately there was uh, a lot of excitement about people creating like local community groups. Um, you know, maybe I people are that. finding other people in their same city that they didn't know uh, that are also in DataViz um, and. Uh, very quickly, these kind of local uh, data viz society meetups were starting. Um, and so that was really excitement, or that was exciting to see um, all this excitement about these local groups because part of data viz society, part of the goal is to help foster a community. And so fostering local community is also part of that. Um, and then it's also been really exciting to see kind of the newbie excitement. So, like, there's been a lot of people who are coming in who are new in DataViz and, you know, uh, they're immediately able to have a voice and make contributions. And um, there's a lot of excitement in the newbie channel. And so it's exciting to see their excitement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really, you have a really substantial, like, group of people together now who are really excited about the whole thing. I think that's, that can go a really long way. Um, um, that's that's really fantastic. I, I'd like what to you guys. What we wanted to know what you guys thought. What was what did you think was the most exciting thing to come out of it? I mean, for me, it was basically what you already said. I was like, oh my god, there are so many amazing people I've never heard of. That was the biggest thing, mm -hmm. and it made me aware of how limited Twitter is instantly, right? And um, yeah. And it made me so excited. It's like, oh my God, database is so much bigger. And I never had a way to appreciate how many more amazing people are out there. And I am here to learn from them. And it's, and it's great. Right. Um, that was the biggest thing for me. And I'm still very excited about that. And the local chapters as well. I think next week I'm going to, I'm going to participate to the first one. It's not the first one. It's the second one in New York City. I couldn't go to the first one. I don't know anyone there, right? It's going to be <laughs> all new people. 
And yeah. I, I do know data visualization people in yeah. New York, as you may imagine, right? So super exciting. Um, great. Uh, that's, that's the thing I love the most. There are other things. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you have an academia channel. <laughs> right? I had and, to. I had uh, to because I'm a failed academic in Rico. <laughs> I'm always thinking about my PhD that could have been. <laughs> I've been trying to convince more academics to to join, to join but I've yeah, uh, not yeah. been very successful. So yeah. let's see. I, I love Maybe the I data art channel it. as well. This one's super nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I love more it's before I hear what 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 you thought was uh, most interesting was that when we have the introductions channel, and I try to um, go and sort of respond to people who've been introducing themselves and we'll see somebody who's you know the cto of plotly or the director (laughs) of this or the head of that and what i love is telling them hey go over to the career advice channel and tell people what kind of people you're looking for and what kind of interviews you're giving and all of this and just trying to get folks who are um in these leadership positions to sort of speak in a Socratic sense to the community. And that to me is, is an amazing opportunity for, for folks on both sides, because I feel like, uh, you know, there's a lot of early career folks who don't know what's expected of them. And then frankly, I think there's a lot of leadership folks who don't quite, haven't really thought critically or structurally about what kind of people they're looking to hire. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's something that I'd like to see promoted more exhaustively in the future. Yeah. But Moritz, what, what did you what what were you, what have you noticed? What was the most sort of prominent thing that you noticed about this this little phenomenon? I was pretty surprised how slack savvy everybody is. So, you know, everybody, mm. everybody's threading <laughs> nicely, everybody is like writing the right <laughs> length. So I think we've come a long way there. <laughs> and people like take it serious also to to be good with Slack, which is interesting. Yeah. Um <laughs> And yeah, I just really enjoy the introductions channel, the, the the data art channel, as I said. There's super specific ones like dynamic data, mapping, teaching. You know, it's like weather, climate. I'm super into right. climate visualization right now. So, so I, I really enjoy <laughs> these these little like, and it's just 10, 15 people there, but they they're really into that topic. So, so I enjoy that specificity. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, but, I was having a conversation about using UMAP in a network. Yeah. Visualization <laughs> layout, and I just thought to myself, where else could you have this? <laughs> extremely specific conversation with somebody who's actually just as interested as you are in it. Yeah. It's a good place to geek out on any anything database for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we all have these little niches, and you have now found ten other people who have the same little niche as you, and it's great. Right. And you yeah. just feel you feel validated in a way that you sort of wouldn't in this broader community because you have found your people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I want to come back to something, Elijah, you touched upon before, or also we've been dis- discussing about Slack and Medium, uh, which is on the one hand, the openness and on the other hand, the platform aspect. Because one thing I've been thinking about and wh- what I've been also a bit skeptical in the beginning is that well, with Slack and all these services, you have to sign up and you have to sort of register. And it's, it is sort of closed because it's not part of the open web, right? So you kind of just link to a Slack conversation. Um, and so I'm thinking a bit now, I think it's amazing how, how the momentum is in the community, but thinking long term, I think about, okay, how do you have any plans to move the most valuable resources to the open web and ma- make them also editable on the open web because my concern or personally i'm much more convinced by now that 
we need to own our own platforms and cannot like rely on sites like MySpace or you know Facebook, which might go away <laughs> at some point. Um, no, but it's really because I've seen it happen by now. I mean, that's a bit like old man <laughs> talking, but I've seen platforms go away, and and I'd love to have like your stuff stick around for for decades. So I'm um, like, what are your thoughts currently on on how? how you can like make this platform sustainable or maybe you're not even thinking about that because you're so, still so busy keeping up with the, the current momentum. But uh, did you, did you discuss this or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's something that's been talked about for sure. Um, there has been, uh, there was a call for people who wanted to think through this and think through some of the different tools that we could potentially use uh, for communication. Um, so there has been dialogue around kind of the pros and cons of, of a variety of different tools um, and communication platforms. Uh, right now, though, there's actually, there's a lot of things that are really good about Slack um, and that people have expressed they really like about it. Um, one is the kind of what we talked about before about being able to kind of just show up and not be someone that someone knows, but, um, right. yeah. be able to post something and have it noticed if it's awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, but then there's also been some people who expressed that they really liked it because this, um, private forum allowed them to participate when they don't feel comfortable for variety, for different reasons, um, to put their information out there in a Googleable and like public way. Mm -hmm. um, so it allowed them to feel more comfortable. Um, it also helps us to like enforce the code of conduct uh, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so that's, I mean, what we're at right now is we're thinking through it. Um, but uh, do you guys have anything to add, Amy, Elijah? Um, just a little bit more on the, the privacy-ness of Slack is like yeah. it creates, it allows us to create a safe space and to, to really control that space in a way that the other public forums don't. Um, so you see a lot more abuse on Twitter or on Reddit. And that really hasn't happened in this community because we have that group of monitors and because we can limit who has access to it. Um, Elijah, do you want to talk more about? Well, yeah, I mean, so I agree, and I think everyone agrees with you, Moritz. I think that that you know, there's always a fear that you're the that you're the product, right? On all of these platforms, people have said that for a long time. Um, our original decision to go with Medium and Slack was ease of use and accessibility, like that it was it was going to be easy for us to set up and maintain, and folks had some level of familiarity with it, and they you know and and these companies have have as their product have leveraged the ability to to make these things easier and and more um, and, and and more visible. That said, almost as soon as we started, people showed up and said, well, why don't we have a Discord and why don't we have a discourse and why can't this be public and why can't this be searchable and I don't want this to, to, to stay here. And so we've been evaluating that almost from the very beginning. There's, there's some discussions about how to um, take the Slack content and perhaps put it out on a, on a forum. But then to get back to Amy and Molly's point, what we've actually heard from in a couple of cases, especially when we were doing the medium distillations, mm. was we actually heard from members who said, I don't want my name on this publication. I don't want my words. It's a bit weird to just dump chat logs somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I agree and, and that that's, fact, that's not the right thing to do either. So 
Yeah. So, but, so but the I'm problem hoping... I think is that it's not just being the product or not. I, I think that's maybe not even the most important thing. But I think the main thing is it's a conversational medium that's also very transient, and and, and the, the contents just disappear if you don't have a paid plan, right? And so, so there's there's two things about that. One is that uh, some folks. Um, find that transience to be empowering. Mm. And that was interesting. For and I was surprised aspect, by that. Yeah. And for the privacy aspect. Yeah. yeah. That, and, and the other thing is what I've discovered is you can, that the archives, the Slack archives are actually full archives, no matter what. Mm. And so it would actually be technically rather trivial for me to just set up a, a Slack archive viewer right now and people could go and browse through the archives. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that we can't, we can't constrain that to members only. And so this becomes this question of who are you providing this for and what yeah. are they using it for? And that's what's tremendously challenging. And, and we would love, as Amy was saying and, and, and Molly, we'd love, you know, ideas for how to address that. My current idea for how to address that is to try to ramp up this distillation and summarization process. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the best of what's coming out of this, mm-hmm. right? Is people's mm-hmm. voices and people's ideas, not necessarily their exact words in a moment when they were chatting on Slack during work mm-hmm. Time, mm-hmm. you know, about off-topic things or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. But that's not. But that's not a hundred percent working. Like mm-hmm. it's working where we have people who are have the energy and the time and the inclination to write. And so it's definitely something we need to we need to solve. Right. Right. And yeah. I'd also actually want to add because Elijah, you said you know there were a lot of people that spoke out against like Slack or wanting to use Discourse. I would say that when that conversation happened, there was actually also quite a bit of people speaking out saying, actually, I think this is great. And I like what this has been, what this has provided that I haven't found in other. So, so it's not just been one side kind of, um, pushing there's. Yeah. And, and as you said, I think this, the speed of getting so many people together and establishing this culture this quickly, I, I, I wouldn't know where that would have worked this quickly anywhere. I mean, else. that would have been hard. But, but I'm right, thinking yeah. now, oh, platform, if it's yeah. the data visualization society, and if it's the, this is your also the, the the thing you want to achieve, then I think that it, it's gonna it's gotta have some some pu- public aspects that don't just go away, but are more persistent and more reliable than this this fast moving community, which probably will always be an important part, but. Um, yeah, maybe you need to establish a few other playgrounds <laughs> in parallel. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's exciting. And, and why not just see what happens? I mean, now you have so many people together and as long as you sort of guide the, the discussion in the right ways, the good things will happen, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. it's a little bit like having a conversation at a conference, which is sort of how this whole thing started. Right. So it's a place to have yeah. those conversations <laughs> with people all over the world. And it's a little ephemeral, it goes away, but you still have the connection that comes out of it and you can oh, save yeah. parts of it and take those best parts and make them more permanent. Right, right. I yeah. mean, Moritz, let me give you a, a data point since we're data people. Um, <laughs> on on many days, half of the conversations, and there have been 50,000 plus messages on Slack, half of the conversations are direct messages. Oh, wow. So yeah. what's oh, going on with wow. the Data Visualization yeah. Society mm-hmm. is that there's a public conversation that's a fire hose. But then what else is going on is people are connecting and and uh, networking with each other mm-hmm. to an enormous degree. And we can't, to, to be very, very clear, we do not have a plan that allows us to archive or see or do anything with those private conversations. So please yeah. continue to have them. But I think that that... <laughs> 
um, really, really emphasizes Molly's point that this is, you know, this is a place where people are connecting and really making meaningful ties professionally, along mm-hmm. with having interesting public geek out conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it needs the full spectrum, like from the private one-on-one chat to the, you know, to the maybe wiki or some some other public content where newcomers, as you said at the beginning, can find the 10 best resources to getting started with data visualization, right? So I, I guess that's the, the mix will in the end be the, the, the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- and as we like continue to drive to publish more medium pieces and then pull together more content on our website. I think that will, you'll see those things building. So, and um, I think what I was curious to hear is also what are your plans for the future? I think you also set up a Patreon account. So you are receiving funding for, for the DVS. So what's the plan there? I guess that if you have some funding, maybe there are things that you can enable that otherwise would probably be too hard to do without funding. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more what what's your plan there. Sure. We're working on continuing to formalize the organization. Um, we're looking into how to become a legal nonprofit in the U.S. And so some of that fee will feed into lawyer fees and fees for other legal requirements for that. Um, We're going to put out, Elijah did a great data visualization survey for 2017 and 2018 in the field. So we're going to do one for um, 2019. We're going to pull together people and have this broader audience of over 5,000 people that we can get to invite to take this survey of the field. Um, We're also going to provide a little bit of incentive for people who take it. Um, So I think that will increase our response rate to what he previously had. Um, You know, we're going to work on creating a mentoring program later this year. We've worked on highlighting members to showcase other people in the community. Um, So our Patreon basically covers our basic costs like hosting, domain name, email marketing. When we started, that was all coming out of me and Elijah and Molly's pockets. And so this has been <laughs> great to to not just fund this with our own money and our own time, but to have some support from the community in doing that. So um, data story yeah. started and evolved as well. So we can show <laughs> yeah, <you>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. We now have stickers. Yeah, you, that's what I was about to say, right? You have really nice graphics yeah. and stickers you've been sending around. That's really cool. I like it. And yeah, so that's personalized, that right? Can you explain that? So, yeah, we put some of that money back into creating swag. So the logo is a... Remember, you're on the radio, so describe it. So the logo is three triangles, each one pertaining to data vi- data visualization or society. And so the logo for the organization is an average of all of the members self-ranking in these three skills. Um And so every person who signed up and who completed this survey has their own mini, we've called them badges, their own data visualization badge, which represents their ranking of themselves over nine uh, areas in these three categories. And then all of that data feeds back into the shape 
of the one for the organization. So it the logo literally reflects the members, which is not a thing that <laughs> logos do to this extent with data. So you can have your own cool. personalized logo, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, was it you, Elijah, who created a visualization with actual icons for the whole community? There are a few ones that are completely black, and it was like, oh yeah, what was happening there? So every every couple or three weeks, we have a data visualization society challenge. We're on number two yeah. right now, where we try to uh, expose data from the the what membership or this latest one has been the conversations that have been happening on, on Slack. Yeah. And so for the first one, which was the first 3,500 members or something a long time ago when we only had 3,500 members, um, and we asked our members to visualize them. And so people came up with a lot of different uh, representations and um, because we had these three values that you could visualize. And the visualization I did was that each member was turned into a little um, Dungeons and Dragons style adventurer. <laughs> and their sword was based on their visualization skill and their shield was based <laughs> on their um, data skill and their hat was based on their society skill. And then the color of their shirt and the color of their pants were based on their latitude and longitude. So they made 3,500 tiny little adventurers. And what I found out unexpectedly was when somebody didn't put any answers in, then it looked like they weren't holding or carrying anything. So they looked like they were just going to punch you, which I thought was cute. <laughs> um, but then if they didn't put their location in, there were null values for Latin long. And so entirely unintentionally, it made those people look like they were little ninjas. And so I just left it in there because it was such a it was such a fun little, um, yeah. So I did that. And then just recently um, for Easter, we, we sent out data-driven Easter eggs to all the members too. So you got an Easter egg yeah. that was decorated based on your how you self-ranked and then it also had a yolk and an egg white that the color was based on your number one and number two skills so, <laughs> we're having a great time with, yeah, definitely had some fun with this with this data are you sure you still have your own jobs ways. right you still have your own so jobs right? far. Yeah. Yeah, so far yeah to this point okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these challenges are cool. I, I really enjoy it. I, I always love it, like different visualizations of the same data set. Um, I, yeah, I could. No, yes. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so Have you guys done any of the challenges? No, I did look into the registration data set a bit because I was just curious, but I just did some some exploratory analysis, no designs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we have to wrap up soon. Time's flying. But just as a final question, how can people join? Where can they find you? And maybe why should they join <laughs> if somebody's still on the fence? <laughs> I'm sure some of our listeners would be interested in joining. <laughs> you can join the Data Visualization Society by going to datavisualizationsociety.com. There's a big blue join button. When you click that button, you'll be presented with a form that asks you um, to rate yourself on those nine skills that we were talking about that we were using for the generative badges. And to also say where you are um, and to say whether or not you want to receive a newsletter or be registered for the Slack, every one of these answers is optional. So one of the one of the bits of pushback we had was that this was an onerous um, requirement to, to join the community. Um, so we tried to make it more clear that you don't have to rate yourself. You can end up a ninja, just like we were talking about. It's great. Um, <laughs> but you do have to give us an email address because we can't email you or invite you onto the Slack without an email address. So that's going to kind of be a requirement. Um, and then once you join, what does that mean? Well, it means you'll get a, an 
email newsletter from us and maybe every two or three or four weeks. And you'll also be allowed to, to take part in the conversations on the Slack with thousands of other data visualization members. And, um, and then from there, you'll probably make all sorts of amazing connections. Uh, you'll be able <laughs> to talk to IIB award winners like Moritz and Amy, and they'll tell you how to win awards. And then the next thing you know, you'll be in London and you'll be celebrating <laughs> and you'll be wealthy and famous um, and, and proud, proud of yourself. I think there's some truth for the first in time in your saying. life. That's the, that's the clear trajectory. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm, just to help. I'm, I'm just trying to help you, you poor people who need the data visualization I think, society. I think that was convincing. Life. Yeah. For anybody still on the fence, I think that should have done it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but just head to the introductions channel and, and first browse through and see the whole variety of people there and just write a little introduction. There you go. <laughs> I think that should be you can, If you've already joined and you want to support us further, you can donate to our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, there's a link at the bottom of our website. And if you donate, we will send you some Data Visualization Society stickers with our logo. <laughs> yeah, and generally, I think it's always great if you, if you enjoy something and you draw some value out of it, why not support the people running it and the whole community? I think that's, that's always a good idea. Yeah. Cool. Super curious to see how this will develop. I think you're off to a great start. Uh, maybe we should check back in a year or two to see how it how it has developed. And um, yeah, super super nice and uh, just amazing what what you were able to to set up here. Well, thanks for the opportunity, guys. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. bye. Hey folks, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, a few last notes. This show is now completely crowdfunded. So you can support us by going on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash data stories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. And here's also some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash data stories. We have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash data stories podcast, all in one word. And we also have a Slack channel uh, where you can chat with us directly. And to sign up, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and there is a button at the bottom of the page. And we also have an email newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox and be notified whenever we publish an episode, you can go to our homepage, datastory.es, and look for the link you find at the bottom in the footer. So one last thing we want to tell you is that we love to get in touch with our listeners, especially if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or amazing people you want us to invite or even projects you want us to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't hesitate to get in touch with us. It's always a great thing for to hear from you. So see you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. Mm-hmm.